Hello folks and welcome to a very special episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. Now, not only is this our 50th episode, which is amazing, but also, as you're probably aware, Sigma Sports are the official retail partner of the AJ Bell Tour of Britain. And so, to celebrate, I've managed to line up three superb guests, each involved with the race in a very different but equally committed way. I've got Route Director Andy Hawes explaining how he picks the perfect parkour. ISN Director Sportif, that's Israel Startup Nation DS. Sherry Pridham explains how getting locked out of your hotel room is all part of an average day for a DS. Again, that's Director Sportif. And Arkea Samzik rider Connor Swift swaps the saddle for the massage table and in the process makes himself the first ever guest to appear on the podcast before us, spending the first two minutes alone. So dust off your deck chair, pour yourself something cold because the summer's made a bit of a comeback. Sit back and enjoy the pod. Hello and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again. Matt Stevenson unplugged by Sinus I'm recording these links after stage five of the AJ Bell Tour of Britain, which is just over halfway completed. But when I spoke to Andy Hawes, he had just arrived at his hotel after stage three of the race in Wales. And I could sense he was desperate for a cup of tea and a biscuit. Check it out. Andy Hawes, um, a man I know very, very well indeed. Uh, Thanks very much for joining me on this, um, yeah, this special edition podcast, Matt Stevens Unplugged, TOB special. TOB stands for Tour of Britain. And Andy, you are the route director. Well, yes, Matt, I am. Um, Matt, I I can't tell you how excited I am to be on Matt Stevens Unplugged. I've, I've been waiting for this moment. A very long time. Well, you kindly invited me onto your uh, visual podcast, which is a podcast with visual uh, visuals. I think it's called a, a, a video podcast. We had a nice chat then, mate. But no, in all seriousness, Andy, um, great to have you on. Um, of course, Sigma Sports being the retail partner, me and you having a decent relationship and both working together on the Tour of Britain. So we've, we've come at it from many, many facets. But uh, to anybody kind of listening, Andy, I mean... I've just given you your title. You're the route director. Could you just tell us, in a nutshell, um, what that job actually involves before the Tour of Britain itself? Because you're on the race now. But what about in the year leading up to the Tour of Britain? What do you actually do? Um, oh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's quite a title, um, and it's actually is obviously quite a job. Um, so basically, uh, I get to uh, design the routes of every stage of uh, the Tour of Britain, um, to put it quite simply. Um, I get presented with a start location and a finish location, uh, and then it's basically up to me with uh, my knowledge of uh, the, the roads in the UK and England, Scotland um, and Wales. And uh, yeah, I get to put together an exciting race um, for, for the teams to come over and ride every September. I mean... I mean, that sounds quite easy, doesn't it? But I know it's, uh, (laughs) I know you do spend, I mean, I mean, I did ask you to put it in a nutshell and you did. So thank you very much indeed. But I'll be honest with you, Andy, I didn't realise that you got presented, but I mean, obviously Mick and the rest of the team uh, negotiate with the cities and towns, et cetera, in relation to the start finishing areas, because there's a lot of prestige there. And quite often there's a bit of a bidding war, I understand as well. There's a lot of competition because the Tour of Britain has, has really gained momentum in the 17 the 17 years that it's had its this current iteration but do you really get that much freedom can do you really have a close look at the map and just think where on earth can we take the tob because you've taken down some corking lanes already in this edition um 
to be honest with you, Matt, Matt, yes, um, I do pretty <laughs> much get that, that free reign. Um, you know, there's several counties that we've had like a very long standing relationship that uh, understand what the Tour of Britain's about. And, you know, they have their their agendas that they need to sort of meet. And, you know, like uh, so take Devon, for example, we've been working with them for many years. Yeah. Um, and, and they have um, uh, like uh, like all of the maps of every Tour of Britain stage. And they think, right, you know, where haven't we been to? So. I work very closely with Devon to make sure that, you know, there's not too many um, villages and towns of Devon that haven't actually seen the Tour of Britain over these years. Um, but say, for for example, uh, the uh, stage six of this year's tour, um, Carlisle um, over to Gateshead, um, yeah. it was pretty much a carte blanche. So, um, yeah, I, it was for me to go and you know, find some of the best climbs that I could find, um, some of the most sort of iconic locations with within the sort of in the Lake District and uh, all the way up, um, all the way through sort of County Durham to um, to Gateshead. So, yes, yeah, so, so, some regions give us sort of more of a steer and other regions are like, well, you guys know what you're doing. You know what's going to make a great race and, and away you go. I mean, I mean, I was talking about this, uh, trying to explain, as you know, I'm commentating for Eurosport GCN with Brian Smith. Um, over the last few days on the Tour of Britain. And I've you know, got a reasonable amount of insight having been the race controller once and obviously having ridden yes. the race. But what about what I was trying to impress on, on the viewers was the the importance of the relationships over the years, Andy, that you primarily and the rest of the team have fostered, you know, relationships with local councils, with mm-hmm. communities, with with the local police forces who and, and all the different counties, all the different police forces act with complete autonomy, the same set of laws, but different sets of, of best practice. So, I mean, I take it now that those relationships have um, got a real history. There's some, they're, they're pretty kind of tight, but do you still have to work pretty hard to make sure that you're keeping those relationships kind of up to date, really, and, um, and, and that they work really well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, it's like it, you scroll through my phone book and, uh, you know, the, how can one man have so many police contacts in so many <laughs> different forces? You know, it's it's just absolutely crazy. But, you know, it's um, it, it's been said uh, like a couple of times and, and even a couple of times on, on the tour already, I, I, I sort of wandered into a conversation um, at the start of stage one uh, this week um, uh, down in Penzance and it was with Devon and Cornwall Police and uh, a couple of the guys I work with, and they didn't know that I'd all of a sudden just turned up at the back of this conversation. But to hear them say the things they said about how professional that it is working with us and, um, you know, that we could deal with any situation. And yes, we've dealt with Devon and Cornwall Police for a number of years, but we hadn't particularly dealt with the Cornwall side of Devon and Cornwall sure. Police. So, um, and, and to sort of like listen to them, you know, sort of albeit like, you know, fly on a wall almost because they didn't know I was there. And I was like, wow, that's that's just amazing. That's that's really made me happy. And they said, you know, that the passion that, that, that came from me and, and, you know, everybody kind of understood what we were trying to do, even though we hadn't been to Cornwall before, um, by the time they'd come out of, you know, a, a meeting with me, you know, they kind of understood it and we explained it. So, yeah, the relationship I have, you know, there, there aren't too many forces uh, within this country that I don't have a relationship with. Um, and, and the same goes with councils as well. You know, it's, it's you just nurture these relationships. Yeah. And, and one thing I never do is I, I let them know from the start that, you know, what we're asking for is what we're asking for. I'm never going to go in there and you know ask them for 50 times more than we actually need what i'm asking for is 
what we need. And, yeah. you know, and I think, I think as organisation um, and, and going to, to, to councils and all sorts of different stakeholders, when they deal with uh, like event organisers, people tend to sort of over egg what they need um, and then actually don't end up using whatever it is they've asked for. So we'll go in what we need is what we need and and they appreciate that and they come to us at the end and said well well you did what you said you were going to do and I was like yeah well yeah we're not going to do anything different <laughs> yeah definitely I mean and Andy as ever and having you know worked with Mick Bennett and the team with you on the tour series you know many years ago now yeah. and on the on the on the tour of Britain and ever increasingly you know we're aware of the importance not that it's ever been not at the forefront, but more than ever now, the safety of the riders and the safety of the race mm. convoy, the safety of the general public is paramount. And I was mm-hmm. looking, I obviously get access to the road book, the kind of race manual, the Bible for everybody, especially mm-hmm. the riders and the teams. And the amount of attention to detail that you must put in, um, just in relation to like the daily schedule, where the race passes through, the kind of times, and also the, I think even more than ever, the attention to detail in terms of potential hazards on the road, which we get a lot of in the UK. I mean, that must be mm. a really, really intense piece of work because you literally get, you drive the routes and you make notes. You kind of, you look yep. at where the KOMs are, the sprints, the the humpback bridges, the punch <laughs> points, the, the hairpin bends. It's a really intense body of work, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this intense body of work is, is it's a, a culmination of maybe uh, three, maybe four in some instances and, you know, um, maybe even five route rickies. So, uh, you know, I've driven right. some of these routes up to five times. Um, right. So you really get to ha- have a good feel of how the route sort of ebbs and flows. And, you know, uh, you know as you said, you know, we, we pinpoint absolutely every feature um and you know the road book um it's like you know it's eight stages um uh, this year's race as it has been for many years but it's like the, the road book is 120 pages um and yeah. there's a lot of information in there from you know how you get to the start in the morning how you get from the start to the finish if you're not part of the race uh you know everything to do with the the final few kilometers but you know turn by turn every kilometer is is, is in this road book um, but this year, I feel we, we've stepped up a level this year as well. And if I may, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of like name check a, um, a Ben Lowe at Velo Viewer. Um, Please so do, yeah. Very very closely with Ben um, because I know uh, all of the World Tour teams that are on the race um, this year, and, and most of the Continental teams all have access to Velo Viewer. So we with with Ben and and you know working sort of like with my guys as well we we've stepped up another level so the safety um, aspect of it so we've put all the way markers and everything onto VeloViewer so that you know the teams have almost got you know if if they come completely unprepared and didn't do anything else they have got everything that they would need from a safety perspective so wow it's been ah listen it's it's it's, it's been super tough this year because obviously with covid last year and, and, and trying to squeeze everything i didn't actually start properly working on uh, the event or the stages for the tour of britain this year until april um so it kind of gives you five months to to do 18 months worth of work so yeah. it's been full gas um but it's been you know just to see it sort of you know play out in front of you you know like the stage one yet um, on sunday stage two yesterday was i couldn't have asked for a better day weather wise as well it was just epic and then we've had the team time trial today um which was also you know just awesome just to see and and i i got very fortunate that i was uh, um, as the regulator as my role during the race i was behind the um uh, Quebec and next team 
So to see them full gas on the route you designed, um, again, you know, it's it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I know you you're an exceptionally busy man leading up to the race and and the, on the race itself. So can you just, as best you can, <laughs> um, briefly talk us through a typical day for you so and I know you get up uh, you get up pretty early and you go to bed pretty late and um, uh, and that's why I'm re- so thankful us at Sigma are really really thankful for you to give us your time no, give us that no. bit of insight but what what's a typical day so what does tomorrow look like uh, for you so tomorrow um so tomorrow which will is be, a... well, people are going to be listening to this on friday which will be stage six so we oh it could be a typical day but tomorrow is the essentially the queen stage of the race to the great orm isn't it yeah so tomorrow is a 210 kilometer stage uh from Aberaeron in uh, keridigion to um the great orm all the way up into conwy so um so yeah so we're heading through Keridigion, um we're heading through Powys, uh Gwyneth and then all, all the way into Conway 210 kilometers so it's going to it is the longest stage of this year's race um it also starts at 10:30 um which presents a, another different set of challenges but none more so that we're we're 90 minutes away from the actual start um so right, right. so even before we begin tomorrow we've got a 90 minute transfer to the start um and then I generally get to the start uh, at least two, two and a half hours before the start, just so that I can get my head into the space that I need to be um, and get prepared uh, for, for what's coming. So I'll, I'll sit down with uh, my route safety manager. We'll, we'll go through the f- uh, the flip chart, which is is basically a very slim down uh, risk assessment that the, the police bikes and the National Escort Group, who are the guys that flag and whistle everything um, to make sure the riders are safe, so we'll go through that, pick out the super key points um, um, in relation to a morning briefing. Um, yep. So I'll give a morning briefing one hour, 15 minutes before the start. Um, and it usually lasts uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and it just it picks out all these key points. Um, after that, uh, I tend to get sort of roped into uh, any, any like local media interviews. Um, I've, I've not made the big screen yet. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a regional <laughs> news celebrity, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I certainly haven't made the big time yet, Matt. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm working on it. You'll I'll be there. We'll have, to, we'll have to pull some strings, mate. We'll have to pull some strings. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so then I, I, I usually get about one hour to sort of like do any media interviews, catch up with any of the teams, Um like we have a huge WhatsApp group uh, with all the director sportives. Um, so any questions regarding the race or any issues that they may have, you know, they've got no water at the hotel or not enough towels or, you know, something I'm, I'm in a WhatsApp group with that. So, you know, maybe you have to deal with that. Um, and then, yeah, uh, basically I've got all my motorbike gear on cause I'm the motor regulator. So that means I sit uh, roughly, so 100 metres in front of the peloton at all points, um, ensuring that the, the safe passage of any vehicles, be that, you know, the police, the team cars, the guest cars, um, or, you know, anybody that needs to make a passage through the peloton, I'm there just to make sure that they do that. Uh, and also that anybody working around the front of the peloton is, is not impeding the riders and getting too close. Yeah. So 210 kilometres later, you know, we, we sort of like peel myself off the back of the bike. Um then we have a like an instant debrief uh, about the stage, um, and then after that, sort of like try and sort of decompress a little bit. Um, you know, ha- have it certainly have some water, uh, maybe something to eat because obviously eating and you know drinking on the bike is 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 difficult at times. So and then then basically next next stop is the hotel. 
um, open the laptop up, check all the day's emails, um, maybe a bit of food. Um, you know, we'll drop down to the food if, if we're in a team hotel, uh, maybe speak with some of the riders or some of the staff just to see how the day has been. Yep. And then back to the room again, just to finish off any last bits of, of, of work from that day or preparation for the next. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, uh, listen, I, I guess, you know, 15, 16, 17 hour days every day. Yeah, it's uh, and I've and I've seen it you know, f- firsthand. It's an a, an amazingly intense period, but uh, and you've got this lead up to it. Well, of course, you've got the the tour series, and you've got the women's tour as well. Yeah. But essentially, when you count up the days, um, it's all leading to those points, isn't it? You know, and there's an immense. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it was it kind of we wanted to speak to you, mate, because it's to get an insight into what it takes to put on a race. I think many mm. people, not through any fault of themselves, it's that many people are. I kind of, I just aren't aware what it takes to put on something like this. I mean, um, including like the grand tours. I mean, the and the movement, the infrastructure movement as well, the start and finishes that that move, the amount of people that are involved, yeah. and, and obviously the the finite resource you have. There's budgets to look at as well. There's mm-hmm. the relationships you have that we've talked about. There's there's a lot to consider. But um, but when you finally get to it and it culminates in the work <laughs> itself, although they're intense days, I bet there must be for you a bit of a sense of relief to tick each day off and see that it's successful. Oh, yeah. You, you, you get, you know, you, you get to these points and you think, oh, do you know what? You know, I can't wait for such and such a day. And you like, it's almost like wishing your life away. And I, I never want to wish my life away. I should, we shouldn't. Yeah. We shouldn't live, uh, wish our lives away, but you know you get right. If I need to get to this point, because there's there's always maybe one or two stages that you're unsure of, or you know how's it going to work out, and you know it's like you get to that stage, you run it off, and you think right, that was brilliant. Now you look at the rest of the week and think right, well I know that you know these weeks are going to be a, a little bit easier to manage, and I mean stage one for us absolutely stunning stage um you know just you know just a smidgen over 180 kilometers but within that 180 kilometers there was 132 central islands bollards splitters something that needed marking yeah now i have 15 neg um, peloton safety bikes so you can imagine how busy we were trying to get these bikes through the whole time in the stage without affecting you know the peloton and affecting the riders doing their job you know it's yeah. um That's so to get that stage out of the way to get yesterday's stage out of the way and today's because today's was you know i know it was only 18 kilometers but boy did it you know it's, it's taken some you know some planning to get this off the stage because unlike all the other stages today was a full road closure yeah other stages we just run on a rolling closure so but you know so you know, for me, the rest of the week is sort of kind of getting progressively easier, um, yeah. if I can say that. You know, yeah, it's, um, sure. the routes that we've got are less densely populated. There's, uh, you know, less traffic on them. And so it becomes a little bit easier for us to manage. But, you know, you say, you know, about behind the scenes, but, um, you know, just for an example. Um, so everybody that's on the race, and I mean everybody. So from all of the sweet spot staff, the organising committee to... Uh, the commissaires to the riders to the team helpers, we, we are shifting 600 bodies a night, every night into hotels. You know, that's the amount of staff and, you know, personnel that are on this race. And and that in itself is a huge logistical, you know, challenge. Yeah, definitely a massive, massive undertaking. I mean, I mean, Andy, taking all of that into account, taking into account that you're a keen 
kind of bike rider as well of course you wouldn't do this because this is like a it's your job but it's a labor of love as well isn't it yeah. there's a yeah there's something you know i think all of us that work within the industry in our in our various ways love it you know otherwise we wouldn't be doing it with yeah, it. And no, exactly I think, <laughs> and i think we're and then we're very lucky in that regard we have to kind of pinch ourselves i guess sometimes yeah. but what's what to you when you're on the tob mate when you're when you're traveling what's the most enjoyable part of of being on the tour of britain for you do you know what it's um I like seeing spectators um, and you see them at the side of the road. And we obviously after the last 18 months that we've had, we didn't know who was going to come out and watch the race. We didn't know if they were going to be allowed to come out and watch the race. Um, so just to see the spectators and, and particularly the children, you know, it's like yeah. the, the, the expressions on the children's faces. And you will have had firsthand experience of this being in the race controller's car. You know, it's yeah. like the pure you know, uh, just excitement on their faces. It's, it's just, you know, unmeasurable. And that, yes. you know, and that makes me really, really smile. Um, and then also, uh, you know, particularly tricky stages where you know that you've, you know, you've put the hard yards in to, to, to make sure that everything's going to be safe. And you know that you've had countless meetings and, you know, you with, either with like our local stakeholders and their traffic management companies and, have they really understood what it is you're asking them for? And then you roll into that finish or you roll in through that area. Everything that you've asked for is there. All the parked cars are gone. The cones are there. This is there. That's there. And that like, wow, this, this is just amazing. This, this really has happened. Um, and, and also that, that gives me a really great sense of achievement. And, you know, it's like, even if it's just, you know, when you're out on the road and the race just rushes past, you know, for that moment in time, Everybody is so focused on that race and so happy. Everybody, you know, they kind of forget everything, don't they? And it's, again, you know, you've possibly changed people's lives. You know, I know that many people that have stood at the side of the road have, have become, you know, semi-professional, even professional riders. Oh, God, yeah, it's, you know, it's inspiring. Looking back, it? yeah, it's inspired them. You know, you look at, yeah. um, you know, Haytor and the riders that, you know, when they said, oh, well, I stood at the side of the road on Haytor and it was just amazing and just, so yeah, all all of that. There's there's just so much that makes me so happy. That's brilliant, mate. Well, well, Andy, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I know you're busy. You need to get your head down as well and have <laughs> a little bit of kit. But I'm going to ask you one more thing. Uh, our producer Niall, it probably is going to make a jingle. I I didn't have a jingle in my mind before I came onto this pod. But one of the main features of the the TOB for me. Um, yeah. Is, is British hotels. You know, they're great. And oh, yeah. they generally have tea and coffee making facilities. So what yes. I'm going to ask you now, Andy, uh-huh. is, it's a new segment. It's called Biscuits of the Tour of Britain. Oh, What biscuits should you have in your room? Well, I get a bit of a jiggle over the top of that one, but uh, Andy, talk us through the biscuits. Can you hear that? Oh, is it a, th- is it a three pack of custard creams? No, mate. This oh. is a two pack of oat and raisin cookies. Oh, mate, oat and raisin cookies. Um, uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, what brand? I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, it's uh, we just talk about what brand is it? Uh, uh, Coronet. 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 It sounds, it sounds like a minor kind of like maybe a Welsh brand. Who knows? Yes. But uh, great. So do, you, do you want to just taste one in front of us? Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me just open. Here go. <laughs> this is me opening them up now. I'm going to just them. cut it in half. This and, is great. Uh, this is like, well, hang on. Oh, it's, it's almost like guess that snack. Mm. 
It's just oh, like, yeah. I was hoping that we was going to do guess that snack, or you know, <sighs> maybe maybe I can come back and do guess that snack, and we'll we'll maybe have another one because I think there's so much to talk about, mate. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'd I, love that. Um, marks out of five for the biscuit. Actually, it's a very good biscuit. So um, I reckon it's got a very good dunkability too. So yeah, it's got to be a five out of five. But five out of five. Yeah. That was biscuits of the tour of Britain. Thanks very much, Andy, mate. You've been an absolute diamond. Enjoy the rest of the uh, of the, the tour of Britain, mate, and we'll catch up with you very soon. Matt, I hope to catch up with you very soon. Absolutely lovely. Pleasure to be on, and uh, I'll catch you soon. Fascinating stuff there from Andy. He's a bit like Santa, isn't he? But instead of presents, he delivers safety warnings. Now, Connor Swift is a very talented young Yorkshireman who won the National British Road Champs back in 2018. Racing for Ikea Samzik, he's already enjoyed plenty of success this season, as well as riding his second edition of the Tour de France, including taking victory at Trobro Leon. And I was keen to get an idea of how the AJ Bell Tour of Britain had felt so far. Connor, um, thanks very much, mate, for, for joining us. Um, wherever you are, in the TOB, because I think this might be the first time in Matt Stevens' unplugged podcast history that we've ever spoken to somebody on a massage table. Yeah, it's uh, you know, <laughs> it's not too bad, is it? Just just laid down, chilling. Uh, bit of a podcast on the go, yeah. Why not? We should mate? enjoy this. Yeah, killing two birds with one stone. When you messaged me earlier on, I said everything okay. He said, "Yeah, I'm going to be on the table." I thought that lad knows how to kill two birds with one stone. But, uh, mate, thanks very much for joining us. I've always wanted to get you on the podcast as a guest, so um, maybe we'll have a longer chat later. But this is kind of all about the TOB, mate. But uh, we are, what, we're now five stages in, three more stages to go. Um, We finished, we're finishing Gateshead tomorrow. We finished in Warrington today. So, Connor, where in Great Britain are you right now, apart from on your massage table? Oh, good question. Let me just... uh... (laughs) Get Google Maps up. <laughs> uh, where am I love I? the fact you're never too sure because it's just like transit, 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 isn't it? Well, I'm in Lancaster. Well, just just below Lancaster, Bailrig. So oh, wow. uh, okay. it's quite a nice hotel, you know. I think I think we've got a bit of uh, golf golf course here. Um, okay. But yeah, it's not too bad. How many other teams are staying with you? Uh, we've got Gan- Canyon DHB here and uh, just ourselves. So uh, two teams. So. That means the uh, the restaurant tonight is not too uh, not too rammed, and yeah, the the cake selection should be uh, should be okay. Nice one, mate. <laughs> nice one. I mean, I mean, you're on the TOB. You, you're sitting quite nicely in the top twenty. Year. The team had a little bit of um, of bad luck. I mean, great result today for Dan McClay to get third, but you lost a rider early on, and you only started with five. So you went into the t- t- team time trial with four, which well, they did a decent ride. That's always going to be really hard, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, we, yeah, we, we started the, the race with five riders and then Bram Welton, he crashed out on the first stage uh, and he was he was pretty bad way and couldn't ride afterwards. So uh, that left us down to four and uh, going into the team time trial, um, yeah, you've got to have finished with four four riders uh, for the for the time. So um, it made things uh, difficult for us. Obviously, we, we came to this race with, you know, GC ambitions uh, and then to be a little bit on the back foot there for the team time trial uh, it, it is what it is and we just kind of had to deal with that basically uh, but I, I still think for you know four guys we're still putting a good good time uh, which was nice to see and uh, yeah at the moment I think we're like Maxim's uh, 15th and I'm 16th uh, we're, we're a couple of minutes back so uh, potentially you know there's a there's a bit of room for us to, you know, potentially go in a breakaway or a late attack or something like that. And 
I don't think the the other big teams should be too bothered about us. Uh, yeah, maybe we can jump up a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll just see. But obviously, yeah, we can we can we can play for stages still as well. And as you've seen today, uh, Dan, Dan came away with third. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a bit of a hectic finale. I mean, the, I mean, this, and this week's sorry, this week's this year's Tour of Britain. I know the course itself is pretty pretty difficult, isn't it? Lot. Not a lot of opportunities nailed on for the sprinter, so but plenty of opportunities for guys like yourself. I mean, as you say, you're, you're kind of nicely in the top 20, enough off the lead, as you said, not to provide a threat. So what stages are you are you going to focus on? Because tomorrow, to Gateshead, there's, it's hilly in the middle, but there's a nasty little kick up near the end, isn't there, without giving the game away too much? Yeah, obviously, I've, I've I've looked at tomorrow's stage and uh, in the last 15, 16k, there's there's two two nice climbs there, and especially there's uh, a climb like three k three k and it's six percent average. So uh, that and then I think you crest that and there's around fourteen or twelve k to go. So that's a nice little launch pad there, and uh, especially you know if other guys uh, you know in the in the top five or what whatever want to uh, attack, then that's potentially a good opportunity and either I'll follow or potentially attack and uh, yeah no I'm really looking forward to tomorrow because uh, that's it's not going to be an easy day on the bike uh, still 3,000 meters of climbing and uh, and then yeah you, you'll definitely feel it in the legs uh, th- those last those last climbs of the day. Oh, certainly I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to, to calling the race tomorrow mate but uh, I mean the Tour of Britain is a it's a special race and it's just grown grown in prestige um, that the fans love it I mean it's a it's a pleasure to commentate on it when you see so many people at the side of the road after the race, of course, being cancelled last year, Connor. But as a former British champion and now coming over riding for your French team, what is it, do you think, that that makes the, the Tour of Britain so special? Yeah, it's just, um, well, it's, well, it is the, the Great Britain's equivalent of the, of the Tour de France, basically, because obviously it's, you know, the biggest kind of UCI race there is in Britain. We go all across the country. Uh, there's a big build-up for it. Uh, it's televised on ITV as well, so and, and obviously Eurosport, etc. And uh, yeah, the fans come out in numbers, and it's and it's great to see. It's it's the first time that RK has been at the race, and even the staff are, are saying how crazy and you know they didn't expect there to be that many fans out on the side of the road. And they they have already said to me that it feels as if they're you know at the Tour de France sort of thing, you know, That's with uh, the, the streets lined with people. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see. Uh, it's super motivating and uh, yeah, really enjoying racing on home roads. Yeah, I mean, that was that was one question I was going to ask you. That the, the, the French team, I mean, and I know when riders come over here for the first time, I mean, one of the most high profile riders to come over for the first time is, is of course, Wout van Aert. He's never raced in Britain before. But yeah, what exactly do, are your team kind of, um, or are they kind of surprised at the reception that the race has got then? Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're, they're definitely surprised with you know how many people are out on the roads, and and I kind of said to them it's different because in France, the, the the guys on the side of the road, you know, the majority of them really really follow cycling and um, yeah. you know are, are really enthusiastic. They're, they're begging for bottles and signed autographs and things like that. Whereas in Britain, like I feel like fifty percent of the fans at the side of the road kind of follow cycling, and the other fifty percent just kind of come out for this you know the spectacle and don't really know who which riders are what but obviously they're just really soaking it up and enjoying it and uh, just just seeing us whiz past and uh yeah you don't really get anyone asked for a bottle uh, over here in the UK <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a different kind of fan base isn't it but uh, mate it must be as i said it, it's a race i i always like to ride and it's various iterations but uh, given the form that you've got coming into this race 
Um, you must have been very happy. I mean, you got another Tour de France under your belt, mate. You just won the overall in the Tour de Poitou Chiron. You won one of the most, um, the coolest, I think, classic okay. out there. Uh, you know, aside from the monuments, of course, Trobro Leon. You must be really happy with your with your form and your, and your shape coming into this race, bud. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's. I started the season and I was kind of disappointed, you know, with how the classics and things went. But to be honest, this is kind of my first real professional season because I joined the, the team in 2019, but I joined them in May. So I raced the rest of May with them. 2020, we had COVID. And then this year is kind of, you know, the, my first real professional, you know, season. And you don't, it's not until now that you realise how long the season is. And even though I had a bit of a bad start to the to the, the, the season, you, you can almost going into next year now I've kind of like learned a lesson like don't let that get you down because the season's super long you know I've had yeah uh, I did the classics I had a break and then it was after my break I did, did really well at one Trobro etc I rode the Tour de France came home had a break and then uh, and then yeah I went and uh, won the general in Poitou and fifth at Breton Classic uh, course, so yeah, yeah I'm just yeah just just super happy with how the season's gone and it's a good uh, learning curve just to realize like even like in January, you know, like the, 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 obviously the stress is there to, you know, train, get the miles in. But if I've got a bit of a cold or a bit of a sniffle or something like that, just, just going into next year, you just be a lot calmer about it because sure. the year is super long and it's no point, you know, digging a hole and, uh, you know, that, that just getting deeper and deeper. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, th- I feel like it's a good season in the sense of, you know, the results are there, et cetera, but uh, also a, a real nice learning curve for myself as well. Oh, definitely. I cannot wait over the, over the coming season to see how you progress, mate. And it is wonderful to see, you know, one of the uh, the few riders that rode several years at a domestic level and then made that step up. And you've got already a couple of tours under your, under your belt. I think it's brilliant, mate. I really do. Um, weird question, um, Connor. What leg is the masseur now? What muscle is currently being massaged? Right leg, right calf. <laughs> <laughs> left, left leg is complete. Right. So uh, yeah, just on the on the right calf at the moment. <laughs> now, are you facing um, upwards or are you facing downwards, mate? You sound like you're facing. You're on your back. Yes, that is correct. I'm right. on, on my okay. back, and uh, got <laughs> got got a nice view in front of me with some windows and just watching the sunset. Well, very nice. The, the pink cloud, should I say? It is oh, well. I'm well, I'm obviously halfway down the country, mate. I'm in Surrey recording this, and I'm looking out of my window now at my loft. And yeah, what a lovely sunset! A few fluffy clouds, nice and nice pink kind of aura to the sky. Um, yeah. Have you have you had your dinner yet? No, still still got the dinner to come after the massage. But yeah, t- just touching on the weather, I can't believe the weather we've had so far. It's been nice, like, isn't it? I packed the velatos, the thermal shorts, you know. <laughs> and uh, and well, I was quite happy it rained a little bit today. But God, the the first few stages have been a bit too hot for me. Yeah, it's been absolutely boiling, isn't it? I mean, I've I, I don't. I'm going to be honest with you, Con. There's a couple of days I've actually commentated in my pants. It's been that <laughs> it's, it's been that warm. I mean, uh, you might need a bit of mind soap to get to get rid of that now. That that image, mate. But yeah, it's been unseasonably warm. It's fair. I think it's fair to say, bud. But I just saw on your Instagram as so well you had a you had a special guest that came to see you today, didn't you? Who who was? Can you explain who that was? Yes, big uh, big TJ came out. My uh, my dog. Hungarian Vizsla, yeah, is his first time he's watched me race. We whacked him, uh, got him dressed up last night and found out that the Arkea Samsic GLA fits him best. So uh, he came to the start and uh, came and supported today. That's brilliant. That is a cracking picture. I did think, I thought, 
Oh my god, his dog is wearing. Uh, it looks like he's actually got a dog cycling jersey on, but it's a gilet yeah. that fits. It, it, it's it's quite. A, it does look like he could go out for a ride with you, mate. It looks like looks the part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, just the other week, uh, we went out on the mountain bikes for the first time. You know, a bit on touched on a few trails. So uh, just uh, build his endurance now that he's old enough, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he, he might he might make uh, some future appearances and maybe abroad at some point too. <laughs> Who knows, mate? Who knows? That is wonderful. I mean, um, again, I mean, we're not going to keep you very long. This is kind of a, a bite-sized chat, mate. We we'll definitely will have a chat, uh, a longer-form chat in the future. Um, but one of the things that I used to love in my various iterations out on the road, especially in Great Britain, was was biscuit choice in in the hotel room. So we've got a new section of this podcast, <laughs> and here's the jingle. No expense spared on the jingle. Uh, it's basically biscuits of the tour of Britain. Now I know that you're in your Swan Years room, Connor, um, and I'm really, really hoping that when you went into your room today after a tough day in the saddle, you went to your tea and coffee making facilities, and one of the first things that you do, you looked at the biscuits on offer. First off, were there any biscuits in your room? Yes, and today has been the first day of any biscuits, so uh, they've already really? been demolished. Yes, first day. Can you believe it? We've stayed no, in three, ho- three hotels, and today's the first hotel with biscuits. Oh, brilliant. I mean, anybody listening, we did not plan this. I was just hoping, hoping. Um, I hope Cherie's got some biscuits. Uh, Andy Hawes had some biscuits. Um, what biscuits were they, Connor, and, and how quickly did you demolish them? We had the ginger biscuits, and then we had the shortbread, and... Uh, Dan didn't even ask. He just he just took the short. He just took the gingerbread, should I say, uh, biscuit. <laughs> just ate that. So then I was left with a shortbread. But I reckon I'd, I'd have chose a shortbread anyway. Oh mate, you'll have to make sure that if there is biscuits in the next hotel, that you get first choice over Dan. But I suppose he was third on the stage. Yeah, so he exactly. Gets first first dibs on the biscuits, mate. Oh, we'll I'll have to that. have a, I'll have to have a word with Mick Bennett about the biscuit choice. Blimey, that's that's uh, that's. Uh, well, I'm glad you've got them <laughs> now. But uh, isn't it weird though? That's one of the first things you do. When you go into yeah. the room as a, as a cyclist, straight to the biscuits, and even sometimes without making a cup of tea, you just eat them, don't you? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Get <laughs> get them demolished. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, Connor, it's been an absolute pleasure having this brief chat with you, mate. I enjoy the rest of your massage. I hope you've got something really tasty for tea lined up, and all the very best over the next few stages. And we'll all be wishing you uh, the very best, mate. Yes, thank you very much. Cheers. Always a pleasure to chat to Connor and make sure you do check out that picture of TJ on his Instagram account. I mean, the gilet fits perfectly. They must have identical torsos. Anyway, Cherie Pridham is no stranger to the podcast. In fact, she's the first person ever, living or dead, to have appeared on the podcast twice, apart from me and sometimes Mr. Jingles. Now, as the direct sportif for Israel Startup Nation, thank you very much indeed, I was keen to find out how she was enjoying the AJ Bell Tour of Britain as the DS of a World Tour team. Well, Cherie, thanks very much for joining us on this um, very special podcast. I do believe that your appearance on this Unplugged special makes you the only person to ever have appeared twice on Matt Stevens Unplugged. Oh, la la. I'm privileged. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy stats. But no, Sheree, in all seriousness, I know you are mega busy. You're up on the TOB. We finished, obviously, today in um, Warrington. Uh, Now, my question to you is, where are you right now in the country? I know we're heading towards uh, Gateshead tomorrow, but from the other side of the country. But where are you right now? I'm I'm in the Lancaster in the Holiday Inn. And and it's a premier calendar hotel that we've stopped in for years for the Lanx GP. So, yeah, it's a bit surreal. So it's kind of like a weird home from home for you. 
Well, yeah. Um, yeah, and I've just sort of had to really leg it down the hotel corridor to get to this call um, and then forgot my room number. So you can just imagine. <laughs> so, is that why you were ever so slightly late? Exactly. You know, exactly. I couldn't remember my room. I mean, you know, every every night we're in a different room number, so you know the pressure was on definitely. Oh God! I mean, I, I sometimes actually I've stayed in quite a lot of hotels recently as we're starting getting back to kind of working a bit. I have to take a photo of the hotel room with my phone because oh. I know as soon as I leave, because you only have cards, there's no kind of reference unless you take the little card that the card goes in. Well, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, but, you you know, I had to sort of hunt down the old uh, what's the group the group chat message, of which we have about 50. So right. and, and I had to find the right TOB one, you know, and not make sure it wasn't the official, official <laughs> TOB one. Oh, no, asking Mick Bennett, Mick, what room am I in? That would go down well, wouldn't it? Yeah, it oh, like brilliant stuff. Oh, that's that's a, a nice way to start. That's a, and, and it's nice to sort of, um, because ridiculously, uh, Connor Swift was early. So I, I jumped on and he was already in on the massage table. Uh, oh. fair, fair play to the lad. Anyway, moving on. Um, thanks for joining us. TOB has been great so far, uh, but it must be, you brought a cracking team. You've had some good placings with both Dan and with and with Woodsy, and it's been great to see Andre um, riding so hard on the front for everybody else. It's, um, how how is how are things going with the team? I know you've had a little bit of bad luck as well, but but how things are how are things going? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure what I would was going to expect, you know. And I have to say, um, Dan Martin and Andre Greipel obviously both announced their retirement. Dan Dan announced his retirement before this race started, yeah. so. You know, we all know is when, when we retire, we don't know, you know, how you are mentally and what your thought process is. But, you know, I, I couldn't have wished for a better squad of riders here. We're having an absolute blast. We're just yeah. enjoying every day. We take in every day, obviously, with a bit of a plan and trying to stick to the strategy. And, and yeah, apart, apart from today, but a bit of bad luck on the road. Um, yeah, we, um, you know, it's, 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 been, it's been a great tour of Britain so far. It certainly has. I mean, I've you know I've been lucky enough to be commentating on it, and um, it's been the racing's been great. We've had a change of leadership every single day, although a couple of people have, you know, Ethan and uh, Walt Bernard have been swapping jerseys. But that there's a lovely picture I saw. You're talking about the mindset of riders, which we know both of us know is so so important. But there's a lovely post on Dan Martin's Instagram uh, yesterday um, on his stories, and it was just a picture of an ice cream cone, a 99 flake, saying, you know, couldn't come to Landudna without an ice cream. But you do get the sense of that on the TOB. It's the racing is intense. It's really hard fought for, but there's almost like there's a little bit of a kind of hint of a holiday atmosphere about it. It's, it's a great race for that, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think we just rode, I mean, that finishing hill at the Great Orm yesterday was, I think, really justified an ice cream with a flake. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, so you know when Mike Wood said you know would you like an ice cream I'm getting one for the boys I, I, I of course declined but right. you know, they 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 enjoyed their ice cream with a flake and strawberry flavored syrup <laughs> that's brilliant it's not every day you get to do that really on a bike race that, that is for sure well, no, but it's been an extraordinary tour of Britain I mean because when would you have I mean when would you have used a an, an ice vest to warm up for a time trial and then yeah. have an ice cream at the end of a stage. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's, it is pretty unusual. Um, it's been absolutely boiling. And I was just saying, I'm going to say it again, just to, just so you know how, you know, it's, it's hard work in my life commentating on the TOB. It was so warm the other day, I was in my pants. Uh, oh, but you know, yeah, I, I don't want to know anymore, but you know, yeah. It was that, that's warm. That's, that's what, I mean, we're all in the same boat, you know, ice yeah, creams, yeah. pants, all sorts. But um, 
Well, I'd like to know, Sheree, because we've spoken to Andy Hawes, obviously the route, the um, plans the route, um, and it's on the race daily, but had a chat with Connor Swift about his kind of uh, TLB so far. And it's different, again, you being a DS of one of the World Tour teams. Can you just run through a typical day on the TLB? Because you guys uh, are very, very busy. So you set your alarm, you get up. What's a typical day for you? Well, I generally check the strategy and the presentation for the for the team talk in the bus. Just to make sure I've I've got everything dialed. Do a last minute wind wind and weather check and so on. Put that into the presentation. I um I personally don't have breakfast. I just have a, a nice strong coffee and uh, and then get ready for the transfer um, and then present the, the the presentation. Then it's straight into the team car. As DS1, I don't drive on the race. I have my colleague Lionel Marie driving me so I can focus on the umpteen iPads and phones and TVs in front of us and, um, you know, try and, try and work out a good strategy and a good plan and, and support the riders on the road, you know. So uh, so once they leave the bus, you know, it's, it's virtually in their hands. Uh, we just guide them through and uh, hopefully try and have a good result out of that. Uh, yeah. When we get to the hotel... Um, I'm I, I'm I go with the bus I go with the the riders on the team bus and I try to do as much as the day planning for the following day okay uh, do the do the strategy that gets sent to our head sports directors goes to the riders um, and 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 obviously do the Vela viewer uh, feed zones that we have to do now because of covid so there's no there's no uh, sort of specific feed zones. We put them on Velavue ourselves, so I have to do that. Then do the stem information for the, you know, the little information that the guys have on the stems, sure. and then finally, uh, I might get to have a quick drink with the staff, and then it's eating at eight thirty, sometimes nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, and then do it all over again. Sure. I mean, so. Generally, then, there's only one kind of rider meeting every every day, and that's the one before the start in the bus. Is that the main one? Do you, do you have a kind of a debrief after the stage? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Um, we always have a debrief on the bus. I always give the guys, depending on how long the transfer is, but I generally give them, you know, a good 30 minutes to uh, to cool off and, and phone home and whatever they need to do. And then if it's not me that's calling the debrief, it's it's the riders. Uh, yeah. Ready for the debrief, Chez? And then off we go, you know, we... We have a quick chat and by that time we're in the hotels and then I don't see them pretty much till dinner time. I mean, and what, what makes the being on the Tour of Britain especially, you've done it numerous times in the past with various domestic teams, but coming here, you know, knowing the road so well, especially the parts we've been through recently, although it hasn't gone right through where you live, it's not been too far away, skirting the edge of the Peak District. It must be, it must be really enjoyable. It's a tough, it's a hard job, but an enjoyable one. But the TOB is something special about it. I mean, what makes it so special for you? Well, I mean, you know, actually, uh, I was born in Plymouth, um, but I actually did my first stint in the UK when I came back when I was 18 years old. Mm. So I knew the roads for stage two very, very well. Uh, and we had a little bit of a dig at, uh, it, you know, at kilometre 47, we knew the road into Dartmouth. And it was it was more for, I guess, for safety reasons. You know, I wanted to get the guys through those very tricky, narrow roads through Dartmouth. Um, and then we just sort of, you know, we pushed through at a high pace. It could have, it could have gone either way. You know, we could have had a counter attack. We brought the break back down to, I think it was forty seconds. Yeah, I remember? Yeah. 
Uh, but it just wasn't windy enough over the tops and the other teams had different ideas. But, you know, I'm, I'm always a sports director that, you know, wants to throw a challenge in there and we deal with the situation on the road. And the main thing was the riders were on board with that strategy and yeah. uh, and I think they enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but when we saw it wasn't happened, we just pulled the old handbrake and, uh, you know, we, we, cruised, we, we cruised in with the rest of the GC teams. I mean, there's still... Still plenty of opportunities. Three more stages to go at the time of recording this. Um, and this has to be, I think, you know, one of the the hardest kind of Tour of Britain courses. And, and it, so far, I mean, I've been kind of worked on various editions over the years, but this has been a really, really interesting course. So hats off to the organisers. What are your thoughts on the route uh, so oh. far and what's still to come? I mean, it's it's been spectacular. Andy Hawes has really done himself proud. Um you know, I, I was concerned as a sports director the first two stages. I mean, I think we've been very, very blessed with the way the weather's uh, um, given us that sunshine and, and 25, 28 degrees. I think I even saw 30 degrees. But, I mean, I would have I would have dreaded it if it was, you know, a, a standard tour of Britain in the rain. Yeah, yeah. But thankfully, you know, we got through those two, two first stages and then on to the team time trial and then sort of broke the week down that way but no a beautiful beautiful route and I'm sure there's more to come great stuff well Cherie it's uh it's we've chatted at length before it's been really nice to have this bite-sized little bit of time um with you in your hotel room uh, midway through well in Lancaster but I've got a final little section and it's coming up right now biscuits of the tour of Britain it's biscuits of the Tour of Britain. Cherie, what biscuits are in your hotel room and have you eaten them already? Uh, I haven't got biscuits, but I'm, I'm looking at some cheese tasters. <laughs> cheese tasters? You, did you, didn't you get biscuits in your room? Well, I haven't opened any of the drawers yet because I don't get the privilege of looking. Have a look. No, I've, I've definitely got some cheese tasters and there's a half a can of Coke here, which I'm not sure is mine. <laughs> So there's no, because sometimes in some, depending on the, I mean, you're in the Holiday Inn, aren't you? Maybe, yes. is, is there kind of other tea and coffee making facilities hidden anywhere, do you think? No, there's, sliding? there's definitely a kettle. There's your old uh, little milk pods and your packets of coffee, but there are no, I've been flicked. There's no biscuits. Oh, no. Um, that's kind of spoiled uh, this section, really. Um, oh. Oh, well, okay, then one final call. What are your favourite biscuits? <laughs> oh. I I don't do sweet stuff. I, you know, if you'd said to me cheese and biscuits or cheese and wine, I would have said yes. But surely there must be one biscuit that you think, mm, like a, maybe a cheeky shortbread. Maybe okay, hobnob. hobnob. I'm going to go with a hobnob. Go with a hobnob. There yeah. we go. Yes, that's actually the correct answer. Uh, well done, Cherie. <laughs> Finally, won something. Indeed. Oh no, indeed. No, Cherie. Thanks very much indeed. So sorry about the lack of biscuits. Keep me posted via WhatsApp. Hopefully, uh, you've probably got three or four hotels still to go. Let's pray for biscuits in the next few hotels. And if you don't eat them, um, I'll give you my address and you can send me uh, a packet of biscuits in a bubble wrapped envelope. Well, I hope to see you down the local soon. Oh, definitely, of course, because I'm uh, yeah moving to Derby. Can't wait. Exactly. Great stuff. Cherie, it's been an absolute pleasure. My best pleasure. of luck. Yeah, best of luck to the lads uh, for the remaining stages. And I'll definitely catch up with you soon for that point. No problems. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Well, folks, that was our 50th episode, 5-0. Incredible. And we'd be nowhere without you, our listeners. So give yourselves a round of applause and maybe a biscuit too, if you're staying in at least a three-star hotel or a well-appointed bed and breakfast. 
Thanks to Perry App Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. We're planning on relaunching the podcast with regularity very soon and we have some top guests lined up. So don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod and why not recommend it to your cycling friends too. Finally, a massive thanks again to Andy, Cherie and Connor for joining us on this special edition of Matt Stevens Unplugged. All the very best to everybody taking part in the AJ Bell Tour of Britain, of which Sigma Sports are the official retail partner and have their logo just above the clock on the finish line. How cool is that? Cheers all, stay safe and goodbye.